This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this podcast has been in the works for a while, and I finally was able to connect with Joel Turner from Shot IQ. Uh, so I've become friends with Joel as we've both been instructors at the Western Hunting Summit. And Joel Turner teaches a controlled shooting process. Uh, so this has been one of the biggest changes to my bow hunting game that I've made. And I, I made it years ago, believed in it wholeheartedly, and developed this system of shooting with a controlled process. Uh, I met Joel, and he's one of the best guys I've ever heard at explaining the importance of controlled shooting, uh, being able to explain the process of it. So I've been meaning to get him on for a while. We finally got him on. So uh, just made for a great in-depth conversation. And and Joel, like I say, he's the best at teaching this. And, and the proof's in the pudding. You watch his son, Bodie Turner, who's um, a, a young man that has grown up with this uh, being able to shoot with this controlled process. And he's won just these giant tournaments at a young age. He's able to deal with pressure. And um, like I say, I, I believe in this this process wholeheartedly and Joel's the best at explaining it. So this is going to be a powerful podcast today. I'm really psyched to put it together. Uh, I think you guys will get some insight into the shooting process. And um, uh, also, like I, I think this can be one of the biggest changes you make in your archery career. So happy to invite Joel on. Thanks again to Joel for his time being on the podcast and sharing uh, so much information. You can check Joel out on social media, on Instagram, and then also check out his shot IQ. Uh, you find that on the internet, which is a uh, absolutely amazing course and and life changing to us guys that love archery. So uh, hope you enjoy the conversation. We'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Savage Arms. Savage builds the best out of the box accurate rifles uh, that I've ever shot. Uh, I built up a rifle. And uh, it just seems to get along with all different ammo and shoot some incredible groups. So they have a bunch of different models. So they have rifle models to fit your budget. Uh, they also have like great mountain rifles. Like our favorite at the office is the Ultralight, uh, the 110 Ultralight. And um, man, they're just um, amazing rifles that are able to get under six pounds. Um, they they have adjustable length of pole, so you can adjust the uh, the stock to be longer or shorter depending on how tall you are, how long your arms are. Also, they have a adjustable comb height, so you can adjust uh, like the where your cheek welds to the to the rifle stock to make it go higher or lower and shoot comfortable. You can also adjust the trigger with their AccuTrigger system. So you can lighten up the trigger for more accurate shooting and you don't have to take it to a gunsmith. Uh, they have all different calibers, like I say, all different models. They just build great mountain hunting rifles. So uh, if you're in the market for a new rifle, make sure to go check them out over at Savage Arms. I also want to thank Silencer Central. Uh, so 
Uh, maybe you guys have heard of silencers, or I don't know if you've used them, but they help with a, a multitude of, of different functions when shooting a rifle. So uh, they have like a banish backcountry that comes in at about four ounces. You add it to your rifle, it actually takes away recoil, makes your gun quieter. Uh, so I think it improves accuracy, and also I think because the rifle is quieter, like a lot of times these animals don't react to the shot, so you'll get a good follow-up shot. Uh, this the, the guys at Silencer Central are so knowledgeable and make it so easy to get these silencers. So they'll help you with the paperwork, they'll thread your rifle, uh, anything they can do to help you out. But these silencers are just a great asset to Western hunting as... Uh, like I say, it improves accuracy, quiets down the rifle for follow-up shots, and uh, I think it's just a great product. So you can check those guys out, uh, reach out to them, and thanks to their support over at Silencer Central. I also want to thank Swagger Bipods. Uh, so shooting an accurate rifle is all about your rest, and Swagger bi Bipods have the best in the business. So they have bipods, they have shooting sticks, they have all different lengths, they have quick detach, so you can pull the bipod off your rifle, carry it in your pack, and put it on uh, when you're getting close to the moment of truth. So uh, Swagger Bipods are also different because you're able to swivel on top of them. So you don't have to pick up your rifle and your bipod and reposition it. You can just swivel your bipod on it. So if that elk's walking to the right, you can swivel to the right and stay on them. They're also tension loaded, so you can put them out in front of you. So they're really good for downhill or uphill shots. They just have some great products over there. We really appreciate their support. Go check them out over at Swagger Bipods. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Uh, Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that has absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the not top name brands as well as their own name brand. Uh, we have a new promo code right now. Uh, just put in the promo code EXTRA10 and you can take an extra 10% off your order. So I'm not sure if that'll work in conjunction with Elevated 10 where you could save 20%. I believe it's just 10% off. But if you, you put in that promo code EXTRA10, like saving 10% off an order... Uh, if you're upgrading gear this year, maybe you need a new sleeping bag or uh, maybe you need a new insulated jacket to save 10% off those top name brands is huge. Uh, so go check them out over at Black Ovis. Use that promo code EXTRA10 and uh, save 10% off your order. And uh, with that over at Eastman's, um, get some new Beyond the Grids hitting. Uh, Dan's Mountain Lion Hunt is out. We're talking about releasing some of my TV episodes on Beyond the Grid, so that should be exciting. There was a good late-season cold-weather hunt uh, that they produced like a couple years ago that uh, they're going to put out there. And then we'll have all our new videos from this past season filming. So really excited to see those come to life and come to fruition there. You can check it out, Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube. Uh, check out both the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. I'm actually writing the anchored in for Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal today, uh, which is um, which is huge. Like I used to run to my mailbox to get these magazines and to read that anchor anchored in that was written, you know, written by um, Cameron Haynes and Guy Eastman and Todd Helms and um, uh, all these uh, really good writers. To be able to write it myself in this issue is um, 
is huge. So uh, go check them out in the magazines. I'm also writing an article about my application strategy that'll come out in this magazine. Uh, Dan has some great articles in there. Also, the subscriber stories are awesome. So uh, check it out, uh, both magazines. And then you can check out the Mulder course. You can still save on that by putting in the promo code BRIANMDC. And uh, check out uh, Elk Collective. We're working with those guys to produce some more content there. And uh, Eastman's Tag Hub. Uh, you put in the promo code Brian. We'll save you a little bit there. We'll help you to apply for all these Western states. So with that, um, let's get into this podcast. So Joel Turner from Shot IQ. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Of thoughts aren't thinking lately. And, you know, everybody's working so hard physically and they, you know, they're working out, they're doing all these things, but they're not putting that determination into their shot process, which is where it really takes the massive amounts of determination because, you know, what we're trying to get you to do is just shy of impossible. We're trying to get you to control a movement that causes an explosion. And to do that, it requires a conscious override of your central nervous system. So that's what we're teaching people how to do. And, you know, people say, well, the bow doesn't really explode, but it does. I mean, the energy of that bow is released not only into the arrow, but throughout your body. So that's why it's so much more difficult to control an archery shot than it is a shot in firearms. Because in firearms, the explosion happens in the apparatus. And in the firearm itself, it does impart recoil and smoke and noise and fire and all those negative things. But it is a lot easier to control a shot with a firearm than it is an archery. So that's why we see this thing called target panic that's so rampant that we're all born with. It's not that it's not a disease that you contract from somebody by talking about it. It is you're born with it, right? You're born with an aversion to an explosion. And it just it just comes out in the sport of archery that we that we love so much. Man, it's so true. And and seems to come out in high pressure moments as well. It's like the higher the pressure or the higher the stakes, the more it means to you. Like yeah. the quicker the shot goes off or you don't walk yourself through that process. And like what ends up happening is you end up, you end up missing or wounding or uh, fubbing the opportunity, you know? And so it's like so key to to be able to get this shot process to be able to blueprint it and then repeat it right all it does you know when you when you have higher stress what it really does like i'm big into like figuring out what is the actual problem here right well if we understand the concept of thoughts aren't thinking when you go into a high stress situation all that does is increase the volume of the thoughts in your head and thoughts Thoughts are what you hear. Thinking is what you say. So no matter how loud the thoughts are of, man, I don't want to screw this up. Oh my gosh, it's a 200 inch buck. Those are all thoughts. Thoughts have no strategy. Thoughts have no instruction attached to them. So when the volume of your thoughts goes up, that's when you will default to just punching the trigger, getting out of that situation. So what you have to learn to do is increase the volume of your thinking, your voice in your head. You've got to be the loudest one in the room. You have to get good at becoming loud in your own head. That's the true skill of all this. You know, we we work on form and work on all these things, but how often do we practice getting loud in our own heads, 
right? I mean, I'm, I know that when you are, when you're in that critical moment of that shot, you are very loud in your head because I've watched you shoot thousands of arrows and they've all been controlled. Why wouldn't they, right? They're, it's not a mystery. When Brian Barney pulls his bow back, it's not a mystery on how you're going to run your trigger. And that's where we need to get people to that level of demystifying their shot. You know that you're going to draw back and aim. Then you're going to address your trigger. Then you're going to make a decision to control it. Then you're going to talk yourself through the movement of the trigger, that pressure increase. And that's the missing link of, of most people is they've never practiced getting loud in their own head. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, spot on. And I'm going to pull like a few pages from your book, Joel. But mm -hmm. it, um, you know, for a while... I could fight my way through it and still get decent results is um, I would have my pin would aim low. It hang low on targets. It hang low on animals. I'd force it up. I'd punch a shot off and, you know, more times than not, it was around the middle. And so I would harvest animals. And so it was like, I could keep with that for a while, but eventually I hit this point where it kept getting worse and worse, this target panic. And, and then on animals, it was even worse yet, and I was missing shots that I would easily make, mm -hmm. and, and I finally had to get to, like, this breaking point of, like, right. man, mm -hmm. I'm either going to have to quit archery or I got to right. figure this out. Like, man, it it just crushed me. I put so much effort in my fitness and on these big mm -hmm. backcountry hunts, and I'd have a giant 200-incher whatever the deer in front of me. And I'd mess up the shot, you know, and I was like, man, I have got to figure this out. And so it was almost like that the determination had to get big enough to be able to control these shots in practice, but also on these animals. And you and I just got to the point, like taking a page out of your book is like I got to this point where it's like I'm either going to execute a quality shot or I'm not going to shoot because I'm not going to fling these arrows over the backs of these animals again. Like yeah. I have had enough. I am fed up. So mm -hmm. it's almost got to be this determination, but you don't have to get to the low of where I was at or the low right. of where you're, you were at. Right. Like you just have to get this determination and be able to believe in this process of executing these shots, quality shots, and these animals start to die, right? Yeah, it's everybody has to reach the turning point and you have to get pissed off enough. And luckily we we did it early on enough in our in our careers of of bow hunting. I mean, but it took me a, a lifetime. I mean, I have missed it took me 13 years to kill a bull elk with my bow. I'm a two time world elk calling champion. I call elk in like a chicken on a string but I couldn't hit him because I couldn't keep myself together. I would, I would aim five feet over the bull's back and then just dump and pluck the thing. Right? <laughs> and it was all thought driven, right? It's not, I was not thinking and, and you got your determination. You got that anger, frustration, whatever it was, got high enough that you finally made a decision that you're going to shoot the shot with control or you're not shooting it. And that is the turning point, the point at which it means more to you to stay in control of the shot than to harvest the critter. That is the turning point that we're trying to get people to earlier on in their lives so that they can enjoy now the control that you and I now enjoy. But it's not, it, it will never just find you. It's shot control will never find you. You have to understand the mental game of this 
this sport that we love so much, you have to understand the mental game of it so that you can reach that turning point. And <clears throat> that's what we really did was define the mental game of not only archery, but life itself. And I can say that because I haven't been able to plug in any problem into this mental game equation that we've figured out. I haven't been able to plug in any problem and not come out with the mental game of the solution. And so, you know, we I've started a whole new brand off of this thing called Mind IQ. And it is understanding the mental game of just about everything you're doing. Like it might be a parenting problem. It might be an anxiety attack. It might be bow hunting. It might be rifle shooting. It, I mean, it might be basketball, soccer, hockey, golf, anything, right? Any movement. And if I may, that mental game equation is this. It's knowing when, where, and how to direct your conscious mind into a specific task at a specific moment. And you take your archery shot, like, and you, and you plug it into the equation. People are like, man, I'm punching the crap out of the trigger. Okay, let's plug that problem into the equation. Where do you need your conscious mind in an archery shot? And I would say that you need your conscious mind in the trigger work, in the pressure increase on the trigger. That's the where. Okay, now when do we need it there? Well, if you put your conscious mind there before you draw your bow back, it's too many things are going to happen and you'll lose that decision. You'll lose the strength of that decision. So when specifically do you need your conscious mind in that pressure increase? It's after you have aimed and after you've addressed the trigger. So way too many people are out there blending their shot. They draw their bow back without their pin on the target and then they put their finger on the trigger and then like what we used to do right you just come up or you come down and as soon as it gets on there boop, you go open loop on the trigger and so you're missing the moment of truth within that shot draw back and aim first then put your finger on the trigger when you're doing these specific jobs i'm drawing back and aiming that's all i'm doing at this moment now I'm putting my thumb on the button or my finger on the trigger. That's all I'm doing at this moment. Then I'm making a decision like, here I go, because that's what you would say to get yourself to jump off a cliff, right? You're, you're making a conscious override of the central nervous system. That requires a decision. And then finally, you are concentrating on the pressure increase. But how are you doing that? So we know where. You need your conscious mind. It's in that pressure increase. When do we put it there? After we aim and after we address the trigger. How do we put it there? The how of the mental game is always speech. You talk yourself through it. That's how you move thoughts from the limbic system of the brain to the prefrontal cortex, which is where thinking occurs. The vehicle to move thoughts to thinking is always speech. It's language. It's always been language. It's always been a sound. It's always been a word. It's always been a phrase. You talk yourself through it so that you can think because without thinking, you are going to punch the trigger. It's the mind's natural default. And when you get under stress, it's just it just goes faster and faster and faster. And you start to <clears throat> shoot before your pin even gets on the target. And people black out and it's just this it's your mind's natural way of doing business. 
So that's what you're fighting. That's what we're all fighting out there. But you have to get, you have to reach that turning point, right? Where you go, nope, I'm not doing it like this anymore. And for me, that was in 2008, but I never blueprinted it. So when you, a question for you, Brian, when you finally said, I'm not doing it like this anymore, I'm shooting this controlled shot, no matter what, did you blueprint how you did it on that first one? Because mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah, I don't think I did at first. Um, you know, I did revert back to this old style. So I executed a quality shot. The animal died. The arrow went perfect. And I thought, man, that's great. I have figured this out. And, and then... I, you know, the next time it came around or maybe it was a couple opportunities, maybe it was like that animal was close and he was getting ready to bust and he was getting ready to get out of there. And here I reverted back to this old system of punching the trigger because I thought I had to rush or thought I had to hurry. Mm -hmm. And and I, then I just beat myself up over it again. And I had to get uh, that determination back where I was like, Hey, you idiot, you punch the trigger again and you miss like, uh, uh, well, no kidding. That's what happened. It's because sure. you didn't do what you were supposed to in your shot. You didn't do it. Like you practiced a thousand times for some reason. I just lost that determination or lost that focus. So no, you're absolutely right. Joel is I didn't blueprint it the first time it happened. It, it took me you know, messing up again and then, you know, really trying to blueprint that shot, just like you're talking. Yeah, it took me. So 2008, I had a controlled shot. 2009, killed a couple of bulls in 2009, completely uncontrolled. Punched the crap out of the trigger. 2010, found that determination again. Shot a great shot at 41 yards with my longbow on a bull. It was awesome, but I never blueprinted it again. So 2008, had a good one. 2010 had a good one 11 12 13 and 14 killed a lot of critters all uncontrolled shots and it was the blueprint that i was missing and then once i finally sat down in that tree stand i shot a big blacktail buck and i shot an uncontrolled shot i as soon as it as soon as my arrow got on that thing's heart man i let it go and just i smoked him but i was i felt dirty again i'm like gosh i did it again and i sat in that tree stand and and it it got dark and it was raining and i'm like i've got to figure this out because and my determination you know yours came from i don't know where where yours came from right it's we don't know where our determination well comes from but if we dig our determination well a little deeper every time we have a failure it'll finally get deep enough and you'll know where that well is where you can go back to that memory and go man i'm not doing that again right that's our determination well and mine was always always the being a cop and and all the swat stuff and the sniper stuff and all that i'm like because it scared me to death to think am i gonna be able to control myself in a tactical situation so that's why it freaked me out so much that i would shoot this deer with an uncontrolled shot and go, oh no, I did it again, you know? And then you never know when your phone's gonna go off for the next SWAT call out where you're gonna be called upon to, you know, maybe a hostage rescue or whatever. And so that just bothered me so much that I'm like, I sat in that tree stand, I'm like, I gotta figure this out. And the cool thing about what happened with you and what happened with me is we had a controlled shot that we could go back to and go, what did I do in that one shot? 
And for me, it was the decisions that I made. And that's the key that people have to realize. You will not shoot a controlled shot without deciding to do so. So before you draw your bow back, instead of going, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a hero if I kill this thing, maybe you should say, I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what, because that will set you in the process. Now you've made a decision to actually control it. Now control is possible. And then, so that was that shot in 2008. I remember saying on that hog in, in South Texas, I remember saying, I'm going to shoot this shot perfectly or not at all. And that was after I'd already drawn back and let it down because I felt myself slipping again. So there's these moments within your shot that autopilot tries to take it. And you have to override autopilot in those moments. The first moment is right before you draw your bow back. When you have that, that bump of adrenaline, when that buck finally turns broadside, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is about to happen. And we all have had that feeling. We're like, oh man, this is happening. And that's when things start to just spin out of control, unless you bring yourself back and kick autopilot out at that moment. I'm shooting the shot of control no matter what. And then as you draw your bow back, I remember on that hog in South Texas, as I drew my bow back, I remember saying, I'm going to do this right. And that's as I drew my bow. And that's the second moment where autopilot really tries to take it from you. Because maybe you've made this decision of control, and then you start to draw your bow back. And for many people, that's when things go blank. You forget what pin you're going to use. You forget you forget that you have a peep sight. You forget all these things. All you know is that now you're drawing your bow back and you hope it doesn't go away. You hope that the critter doesn't move. Those are thoughts. You don't have control of thoughts. You only have control of your thinking. And you've got to be the loudest one in the room. So making the decision to control it again as you draw your bow back, I'm going to do this right. Or say whatever you want to say. Say something about the process. And that will make you present because <clears throat> that's what decisions do is they increase your presence. So now we're present enough that you remember, oh yeah, it's 32 yards. I got to hold my 30 yard pin just slightly high, right? And then, oh yeah, I'm supposed to now put my finger on the trigger. And then things start to slip because that is what we call the critical second. Once your pin is on the critter, or you've got your instinctive aim, whatever it is, whatever your aiming system is, you've got your sight picture, and now your finger's on the trigger, and now is when thoughts get the loudest. You shoot it. You shoot it. It's not going to get away. You got it. It's there, right? You're getting all these thoughts. Thoughts have no strategy. Thoughts have no instruction attached to them. So that's why we've got to get ourselves past that critical second. The pin's on. The finger's on the trigger. Now we got to get over that little hump. And that's why that is the moment that we make the final decision of here I go. If I could just get people to say, here I go, after they aim and after they put their finger on the trigger, there would be so many more happy bow hunters out there. But that's the critical second. Most people just punch the trigger. And when you punch the trigger, it's not just this that happens. It's not just that little trigger punch that happens. It's all the other muscle contractions that are attached to it. It's the flinch, right? 
And those are the movements that deviate your point of impact. We've seen it a million times of people that catch their bow or they wince their face or they collapse. And all those things are coming unless you decide to keep them at bay. Mm-hmm. So the decisions were the key. Oh, it so is. Uh, man, and it goes horribly wrong when you punch <laughs> on an animal. It's like sometimes it's close enough, but man, for the most part, it's way away from where you're aiming or trying yeah. to hit. And that's the key is to try to transition good shooting into shooting at animals. And you're right about the decision. Mm-hmm. Like you have to make the decision. Like I walk around on a hunt. You know, especially like when I was first learning this controlled process is I'd walk around on the hunt and that's all I'd think about is, hey, when I do get the chance, I'm going to control this shot. If I if this buck is standing here, I'm going to control it. And I just be thinking that. And then I love how you talk about right before you draw your bow. It's like making a decision right there. But then your mind does leave as you have to anchor and pin and level and then you know you put the pin right where it goes and then right there in that moment if you don't say here i go or if you don't have something that snaps you into that into your mind to be able to talk yourself through a shot man it it punches off and you forget it all you know and so you're right that critical second of like okay here i go and you start pulling and and so many of the things you describe are so spot on and help so much with shooting like um the way you talk about, like, you know, when you're aiming, you have to aim, but then you have to leave that. And if you continually focus on your aim the whole time you're waiting for your shot to break, it's like it never breaks or it gets late right. and then your aim gets erratic. Like, you got to start thinking about executing your shot from there, transition from aiming to executing, you know, and executing the right way. But, man, you're so spot on, Joel. You just describe it so well, and it's so powerful, man. Like, guys would see so much more success if they could control their shot. And, and um, man, I, I just know it's, it's like, amazing you've been able to, to blueprint this process and been able to explain it to guys. And I know you've helped just countless guys, countless great archers, mm-hmm. countless great bow hunters that transition to this controlled shot. And man, animals just start to die. When you can transition good shooting from the target to then right. to animals, like, you know, to make that 40-yard shot on a, a trophy-class buck or trophy-class bull is is a given at that point once you get the process down. You know, it it's just, it's absolutely life-changing for archers. When you were, you know, you said that you were going to shoot this morning before the podcast or, or you shoot right out. When you shoot, you shoot perfectly controlled arrows when most people shoot they just shoot arrows and then hope that control finds them in an animal situation right you are practicing making decisions like there's no question that you're going to work your trigger perfectly perfectly for you right you're going to shoot a surprise break shot for me it's not a mystery i'm going to shoot controlled arrows every single shot in practice and you have to understand what happens to your body because we cannot take the same body with us to that high stress bow hunting shot you can't i mean i know you're brian barney and you are a ninja but can you can you control how much adrenaline is in your system you can't control that, right? You can't control your perspiration. You can't control your blood pressure. You can control your breathing, however. And that's where people first f- 
find control is <clears throat> they know that if they can control their breathing, they can at least keep their heart rate down a bit. But that's where many people stop. They just keep their mind in breathing and they don't transfer it to the actual shot. Breathing is a precursor to concentration, but it's not concentration where you need it, right? You're playing two different mental games. Like let's say that bull screaming, here he comes, and you find yourself breathing heavy. You can feel your heart, your heart beat. You're like, man, I got to get a hold of myself. Okay. Here's the mental game for it. Where do you need your conscious mind? In breathing. When do you need it there? You need it there right now because this is your moment of truth. Otherwise, things are going to spin out of control. How do you put it there? Speech. So I was watching this thing the other day where this kid. This little little toddler has got this giant grasshopper on his chest, and he is crying, but he's in that mode where he's in vapor lock, right? And he's just like, right? he's not making any sound, he's not breathing. And his dad goes, breathe, dude. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> he starts crying. But you had to play the mental game for that kid to get him to breathe. You have to play this mental game for yourself. So you might have to say, breathe, and then you're like, okay. And then you remember maybe a breathing technique. A good one that we've found recently through Andrew Huberman was in through the nose to the top, and then another breath through the nose over the top to inflate the rest of those sacs in your lungs, and then you breathe out through your mouth. And that really seems to work better than box breathing or combat breathing that we've done for years where you're in through the nose for four, hold for four, out through the mouth for four, hold for four. So a big breath in through your nose. Once you feel you're at the top, give it another pop through the nose and then out through the mouth. And it actually expels more carbon dioxide. And so that lowers your heart rate, but that's only the first mental game. If you stay in that breathing mode through your shot, it means nothing for your shot control. It just gives you the ability to stay in the prefrontal cortex. Otherwise, you're going to go into lizard brain and your shot process doesn't live there. So as that critter's coming, get a hold of your breathing so that you can concentrate on, so you can play the other mental game of your shot, putting that conscious mind into the trigger pressure, knowing the moment of truth after you've aimed, after you've addressed the trigger, and then how is always speech talking yourself through it. And that's what you have to practice. People don't practice controlled shots. Like I, I did a little video for Dan Staten at Elk Shape. And, you know, I'm telling these people that, man, you guys are doing so awesome in your physical fitness. But then you completely crap the bed by not putting any of that determination into your trigger work. And what I'm finding out is there are a lot of people that are confused and they don't actually know what a surprise break feels like because they video it for me and they send me these videos and they're still punching the trigger. Like, how is that? I said, well, if you're asking the question, you would, I mean, you would know whether it's <laughs> or not. Right. And so you got to go out and practice these things that we're talking. You have to practice letting go of the aim because for certain personalities, that's a very difficult thing to do. But it's, that's the skill. The skill's in letting go of the aim, not in the aim itself. 
because the pin's always returning to the center through visual proprioception. And that's what we've done at Shot IQ is really taken these very specific sciences of open and closed loop control systems, visual proprioception for aiming and really understanding what aiming is, how are my movements governed, and then how do I govern my own movements through speech? And, you know, that's that's what we've done at Shot IQ. And, and it, like you said, it is very powerful for you to be able to control a shot on a game animal. It's the ultimate skill of the human being. Because if nobody figured that out, we'd all we wouldn't be here right so so true well that um that controlled shot as well like i love the you talking about breathing and trying to calm your heart rate and and no matter how much you breathe like you are going to have an elevated heart rate on game animals and this is this is part of the challenge is uh, you know, you shoot at these targets, you practice this controlled shot, and then you get out there and you start aiming at an animal and you've got this high heart rate and your adrenaline is off the charts. And all of a sudden that pin isn't sitting in the center like it's supposed to. All of a sudden there's a lot more movement to that pin, which makes you want to try to punch it when it's there. Mm-hmm. But if you believe in the process, <laughs> that aiming starts to slow and come to the spot and the shot executes when you have a good blueprint, when you execute good shots when you believe in it uh, wholeheartedly and execute that way on animals it's amazing how much that pin will settle down no matter what your adrenaline or what your breathing is if you believe in that process and put the pin where it's supposed to go you go through that you talk yourself through the shot like you're saying like that pin aim starts to slow down and be in the spot and you're right it's amazing when you shoot uh you know, a back tension or a, a controlled shot, we'll say, when you shoot that, it's amazing how many times that arrow uh, lands in the middle. Like sometimes your pin can be moving around all over the center, but you believe that shot process continue to pull on your shot. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like that arrow just ends up right in the middle, arrow after arrow after arrow. And it's the same thing on an animal. And you can't get stuck in that pin movement either like then you get stuck in the pin movement and then you're trying to aim too hard you've got to like let loose of that aiming and i'll find myself too like even in 3d targets or sometimes i try to aim too hard i'm just trying to be too precise with my aiming and you're right it's that you have to let that aim go and start to execute your shot and that pin starts to slow down and be in the right spot just naturally you know and it's um it's a strange process. Like it, it takes a while to believe in it. But once you believe in that movement and let that aim slow down, start executing on pulling on your trigger, that mm-hmm. shot breaks and that arrow, it lands right in the middle. Again, when you dissect that problem of, of pin movement, all big pin movement does is increase the volume of thoughts. Right. So there's the pin just swing all around from its from its butt to its chest. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so shaky. That has no strategy. That has no instruction. That is thought alone. So like you said, it's something that you have to basically believe in, but you just have to see it. Right. Many of us try to manipulate our aim and we never see the true visual proprioception take place. No matter which way it moves, its next movement is always back to the center. So we have to actually see that. And then once we see it, once we see it come back to the center, just enjoy the show. 
just watch it to keep it. You have no actual physical control over your aim other than through your eyes. Just watch it to keep it. And then move on to the next task. Move your brain to the next task. And, you know, that becomes easier and easier and easier because a lot of people get this misconception that, oh, my gosh, well, how long is that critter going to actually stand there? Is it going to stand there long enough for me to do all of these things that I need to do? Yes, it will. If you get good at organizing all of the things up to the trigger pressure increase, like draw back and get the pin on there quickly and then move your mind quickly to putting your finger on the trigger and then move your mind to making a decision. Here I go. And then you spend the precious time in the pressure increase on the trigger. So yeah, we can shoot controlled shots pretty darn quickly, but there's a speed limit to the trigger. If you go over the speed limit on the trigger, you will break into an open loop control system. And that's where pre-ignition movements will be linked to it. If you go fast, excuse me, if you go fast on the trigger, pre-ignition movements will be linked to the trigger motor program. That's not my opinion. That's just how we're wired. So really understanding how our brain works and works against us in shooting is key. So, you know, all the things you're talking about don't just happen. Like it's natural for you to want to time the trigger punch when the pin's in the middle. That makes intuitive sense to your mind, but it makes even more sense because your mind is able to time the explosion. And when it can do that, that's when we start to just fall apart and our, our arrows don't impact where we think they're going to. Mm -hmm. Well, you start to anticipate that shot. And through that anticipation, like some of us get it worse than others as far as target panic. But, you know, all of a sudden, like my problem was, is my pin would hang low. Oh, and yeah. I just thought to myself, my pin would be rock solid, just right below where I wanted yeah. to hit. And so stable that I thought, you know, I can be the best shooter of all times if I could just hold that pin in the center. And what this process does is when you learn this controlled process, it allows you to aim again and it allows you to aim right on the center, right where you want to put that arrow. And so there's like some added benefits to to being able to control your shot. All of a sudden, your brain will allow you to aim and aim right at the center. And I think, you know, it's a big part of why I can shoot so well is my pin is always right where I want to hit. And it's it's like a magnet to that place instead of a magnet away from that place, like when you have right. target panic, you know? So now it's like my pin wants to be there, so it just keeps trying to go back to the center of where I want my arrow instead of trying to force it away where I can't get it to where it needs to go. So, like, shooting a controlled process really helps with the aiming as well. It's very liberating, right? Because you finally get to put your the aim like that's the thought of everybody that goes, man, if I could just if I could just and that's the key phrase, if I could just that is a thought that has no strategy and it has no instruction attached to it. If I could just put my pin in the middle, I would be a rock star with a bow, right? But now we can do that. And that's why the initial breakup of the shot, draw back and aim first. Don't even put your finger on the trigger. You're not even allowed to put your thumb on the button until the pin is in the middle 
and it's doing its dance. Then you get to shift to this other job. Okay, now I can put my thumb on the button. Okay, got that done. Now, oh yeah, I'm supposed to make a decision. Here I go. And now that just doubles down on your presence. Now we can actually work ourselves through a shot. So when people are are in the doldrums of of target panic and and you know you're speaking right to him like oh my god that's me i can't put my pin on the target and that is a vast majority of bow hunters and archers they can't put their pin in the middle so you know once you break up because if i told an archer that that couldn't put their pin in the middle i'm like okay we are not shooting this shot keep your thumb away from the button just draw back and put your pin in the middle it's pretty easy to do because your mind knows the explosion's not coming. So it's very easy to do that. So that's number one, just getting people to see that they can put it in the middle, but they got to break it up into these other jobs because there's way more important stuff. And, and getting people to realize that, like people think that Bodie's pin on a Vegas face doesn't leave the X-ring because he hits the X-ring most of the time. And they think, well, look at Bodie. I mean, he's 16 years old. He's got all these young muscles. He's got young eyes. He's got all this stuff going for him. That is true. However, his pin's dancing all over in the gold. But we keep his bow light enough to where the dance of his pin is fast enough that his rate of return always gets him back to the middle. So it might break a 3 o'clock 9, but it's still going to be an X. It might break at the edge of the 10, but it's still going to be an X. It doesn't matter because it's it's all based on visual proprioception and the rate of return. Because if you're shooting a surprise break, you want your pin speed to be fairly fast. Because if it's slow, if that pin is moving very slowly and lazy, and you don't know when your bow is going to go off, if your bow is too heavy or if your draw length is a bit long or if your holding weight is too low, and that pin is super lazy on the target, and it breaks in a three o'clock nine, and it hits a three o'clock nine, that means your rate of return is too slow. So these are things that once you get liberated and you can actually aim in the middle, now we can start to tune our bows for forgiveness in the aim. People say, well, this bow aims good, or that bow doesn't aim good. And they're usually talking about they want the pin speed to be slow. And that's the opposite of what we want if you're shooting a surprise break. Now, you'll see some archers that really weight their bow up in target archery. They'll really weight their bow up because they're going to catch it. They're going to time that trigger punch when it's in the middle. And it's got to stay in the middle long enough for their mind to recognize it's in the middle, send the motor program to punch the trigger. But those target archers, their career does this, right? Whereas Bodhi just keeps going up, right? Because he's shooting that controlled shot with fast pin speed. So what you're doing with stabilization is you're limiting the range of the pin, but you got to make sure that you don't slow it down too much. So that's just mm. a little, little target archery tip for those folks that are, you know, really getting lazy on that. They're, they're trying to get a slow pin by weighting their bow up and up and up. That's the opposite of where you want it when you actually go into this controlled shot with surprise breaks. Well, that's a tip for me, Joel. 
Yeah. Like, uh, I add quite a bit of weight to my bow and like that slower pin movement. I've, I've got to pull some weight off this bow and start messing around with it, especially like on a Vegas face and see if I, uh, get better accuracy that way. I think I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm adding about six ounces to the front and 10 off the back. And I thought my bow aims better that way, but yeah, uh, to what you're saying, like I've got to mess around with that bit a bit and take some weight off my bow and get quicker pin movement and still execute the right way and see if more right. of them are landing in the middle. Oh, huh, that's interesting. See, yeah. You'll see that your X count actually goes up mm. and just increasing the speed of the rate of return of the pin, allowing it to come back. You know, archers talk about, well, target archers talk about the dip bang all the time because the pin will dip out and they'll shoot on that dip. And then you'll see this big, crazy follow through that they'll do. And that's when they, they caught a dip bang. But that means that their pin is moving slow enough that they were able to recognize that. Now, <clears throat> understand that target archers are usually shooting through a powered lens as well. So they really get to dissect this pin movement where in a hunting site, we don't see it as much, but it's still happening, mm -hmm. right? When you're trying to shoot and, and the Vegas face is perfect for testing because you get to see, okay, that broke a three o'clock nine. And you know that if it hit a three o'clock nine, we got to start to take a little weight off the bow or maybe we shorten our draw length by a 16th of an inch, or maybe we increase our holding weight by a couple pounds. All those things will increase rate of return. Mm. So you'll get to a, a point of diminishing returns where the, the pin range is too big, the movement range yeah. is too big, but that's that happy medium that you're looking for. Fast pin speed with small range, and uh, then you'll hit way more Xs. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, because i that's exactly where my focus has been, is I don't like a huge range of movement with my pin, is I want it to keep around the area I want to hit. But yeah, I got to mess around with that a bit. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Huh. Yeah, just, just try it out. And, and, you know, until you get that diminishing returns. Now, you have to keep the bow weight up slightly for hunting conditions because of wind, right? When, you know, because wind will blow a heavy bow less far but its return is also slower but usually in wind our return is manual like it blows off the chest of the critter and you're like whoa and then you gotta like okay i gotta get myself back to this so you manually have to get the aim back so mm -hmm. what we're talking about is this subconscious rate of return so um you know don't worry so much about it on your hunting bows but if you're really trying to shoot x counts on a vegas face give it a whirl it's pretty cool stuff Huh, it's really cool. Huh. And and so like shot IQ, like I've heard you talk live and we hear you on the podcast and I love listening to you talk about um, closed loop shooting. Um, so so it's like so fun to listen to you talk, but you also have the course shot IQ that guys can run through and it's an Internet course like a uh, video format where you will run people through uh, the shot IQ to, to make a controlled shot. Right. It's called yeah. control process shooting. It's on my website, which is shotiq.com. And it's, uh, it's really cool to go through this and really understand what game you are playing. Like people don't really understand how their mind is working against them and shooting. And so it takes this manual override. Like it's the conscious defiance of human nature, literally what we're, what we're teaching folks. So yeah, there's an online course in in archery, there's an online course in rifles, there's an online course in pistols, 
And now we've got Mind IQ, which is basically what we do at Shot IQ for the rest of life's problems. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, uh, talk about that a bit, Joel, because this is um, uh, new to Shot IQ. Yeah, so after after I got on the Rogan podcast and and Joe Rogan's talking about how what we do at Shot IQ is so applicable to life. And I'm like, yes, I know there's this connection, but I didn't have the words for it at the time of that podcast. But after that podcast, it's like the floodgates open and all, all walks of life are calling me for their particular problems. And how do I, how do I plug in what I do at Shot IQ to my problem, to my golf swing, to my free throw, you know, to my kicking a football? So I've got, I mean, I have all these professional athletes that are calling me and I'm like, who am I? Like, who, who am I? Why are you, why are you calling me little Joel Turner? Not, not that smart of a cop. You know, why are you calling me? And I'm not an expert basketball player, but I am an expert in the mental game and I'm not an expert golfer, but I am an expert in the mental game. So I became what I call the master of the unknown obvious, because what we do is is it's right there in front of us, but you know, there's amazing golfers, there's amazing basketball players, there's amazing parents, but they don't blueprint how they do what they do. And so when you don't do that, you can't possibly transfer that to other people. So about three weeks after I'm, I'm taking all these calls and, and my buddy that was helping me with with like developing this into a brand was he goes, can you define the mental game? And I'm like, well, the mental game of what? And he said, that's all I'm asking. And then, so that's when we came up with that definition, knowing when, where, and how direct your conscious mind into a specific task at a specific moment. That's exactly what we do in our archery shot. And that's exactly what we can do in all of these other sports movements and cerebral issues it's so that is mind IQ now. So now I have the mind IQ course. And if, if people go to turnermodel.com, Turner model is now kind of the mothership of shot IQ and mind IQ. So go to turnermodel.com and you can see what we're doing at with the mind IQ course and all the background and all the stuff that's, that's happening with how do you play this mental game? Cause a lot of people, they don't even know where the arena is. They don't know who they're playing. They don't know the rules of the game. And so when you have all these things figured out, like you and I have figured it out for shooting, right? But there's a lot of folks out there that have a lot of other issues other than shooting, right? That they can plug this into. But shooting is kind of where it all starts because when you can control a movement that causes an explosion, the rest of the decisions in life just get much, much easier. But that's that's how we do it. And then you blueprint exactly how you did it. And then when that problem comes up again, it's easier to deal with. And now we start thinking our way through life instead of just letting thoughts happen, things that we have no control over. 
God, man, that's um, it's so powerful. It's like uh, just being able to understand the mind control it takes, understand the the mental part of it. And and you hear athletes talk all the time that it's ninety percent mental. You know, even though they're elite athletes, you know yep. that that are at the very top of their game. But ultimately, like you start to figure out that everything in life is tied to your mental game, and and, and that's you know it's bow hunting and it's shooting, but that is taught me so many life lessons that I've been able to carry over into building or been able to to carry over, you know, to the podcast or uh, uh, to my other ventures in the outdoor industry or, you know, parenting and raising my kids. Like I'm able to learn all these life lessons. It's turned me into a better human being. And so understanding that and being able to put focused intensity into that and, and be able to run your problems through the same sort of, of of mental game that you'd run through your shooting or through your bow hunting like yeah. like all of a sudden you just start winning at life like you just understand that oh this is mental and oh if i can wrap my head around it i can do it or i can control it you know or control what i can control um but yeah it's a it, it it's it's really powerful. And so, yeah, I got to check out, uh, the, the new course on there. Like, um, yeah. I, I think I could probably plug in some of my problems too and go, Oh man, I haven't been thinking of this like my shooting or like my bow hunting. And if I think I, about it this way, I mm-hmm. could tackle this issue or this problem that I just keep racking my brain over going round and round about this problem. Yep. It's just, you figure out where do I put my con, where do I, where do I need my conscious mind to be for this very specific problem. When do I need it there? When's my moment of truth? Because there's a moment of truth within everything that we do. And then how do I put it there? The how is always speech. You got to figure out what you need to say, right? So like, I'll give you an example. Uh, One example of a person that called me was an Olympic coach for the decathlon of a foreign country calls me and says, okay, this is my problem. I'm like, okay. My problem is that my long jumpers, when they're running down the lane, right before they put their foot on the launch board, they put their shoulders back and it kills the momentum of the jump. I'm like, okay, let's plug this problem into the mental game equation. I said, all right, where do you need their conscious mind to be? And he says, well, I need it to be in the longest jump possible. I'm like, nope, that's results. You need their conscious mind to be in their shoulders. Okay. When do you need it there? When is the moment of truth within this problem? He says, well, it's right before they put their foot on the launch board. I'm like, okay, good. So now we've got the where, we've got the when, the how is always speech. So as they're running down the track, Right before they put their foot on the launch board, they need to say something about their shoulders. Maybe they say shoulders. Maybe they say forward. They say something that puts their conscious mind into their shoulders so they override the central nervous system that's trying to brace their body for impact, right? How do they do that? Through speech. And I said, have you ever heard the mental game described like this? He goes, I've never heard anything like this in my life. I said, well, You've been the Olympic coach for 20 years. I said, how many sports psychologists have you talked to? He goes, dozens. I said, the problem with sports psychologists is they usually don't know the depth of the solution. 
they know all the science, they know all the brain chemistry, they know everything that's happening, but have they ever done the long jump? And when they were successful at it, did they blueprint how they did it? Because the same shoulders back thing was happening to them, I'm sure, right? But the problem with, with these folks is either they've never played the sport or they don't understand the mental game and they've never blueprinted it. So like I said, I'm not an expert in all these things. I'm not, a, I'm not an NBA basketball player, but I can help an NBA basketball player understand how they do what they do so that they can win the game-winning free throw. You know, Because if you understand open and closed-loop control systems, you would know that if you put your conscious mind into a movement that's supposed to be open-loop, meaning it's fast, it's smooth, it's efficient, if you put your conscious mind into that, you will screw up the totality of the movement. So if you are trying to shoot the game-winning free throw and you're thinking about your follow-through, you are going to kill the movement. You're not going to make it. So you have to understand that sometimes it's not putting your conscious mind into a movement. Sometimes it's keeping it out of the movement. And that's why shooting is so much different than everything that's done out there because in shooting... It's one of the only things where you have to go closed loop, which is slow enough you can stop it anywhere within it, right? So there's very few movements and very few things in life where you have to put your conscious mind into a movement, especially a movement that causes an explosion. So that's why shooting is at the top of concentration. And that's how we were able to figure out the rest of these things in life through shooting. And uh, so it's, it's so powerful. It's so simple. It's like, why haven't we, why haven't we been thinking about this in the past? But, you know, it's just, my life has been this perfect storm of failures, but thinking about those failures, right. And blueprinting those, why did this not work or why did this work? And, and so, and I've had so many uh, super people along the way, yourself included, right. Just, telling me these things and I take whatever phrase you say or like Ben Mayer in Australia is the one that told me oh well, thoughts aren't thinking and I'm like what did you just say <laughs> thoughts aren't thinking and if you really glom onto that phrase and take it for its profoundness that it has it is so true now, you know he uses it uses it in supervisory things in his job and it's from Buddhism you know like Thoughts aren't thinking is from Buddhism. Uh, the phrase, it is what it is, is from Buddhism. His brother happens to be a Buddhist monk. So who knew, right? That all this <laughs> stuff that we're in Western societies, we're just looking over it and passing over these things that are so important. Uh, you just have to take those nuggets. And then I, I take the nugget and I really dissect it to what it really is. And then I I always apply it to shooting and now we can apply it to life. And it's, it's such cool stuff, man. <laughs> man, it's so cool. Like I, I love it, man. It's like, uh, you talk about, uh, how simple it is. And once you understand it, it is simple, but it, it takes that determination and it takes that, uh, that really hundred percent presence of mind. Like you have to be present in that moment and nowhere else. 
And like right. once you get it, it all makes sense. And it is a simple concept, but nobody has described it or understood it or dedicated their life to it like you have <laughs> to to be able to explain it to uh, uh, to the common bow hunter like I am where I can grasp it and understand it. Now, all of a sudden, I understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Now, all of a sudden, I can put that 100 percent present mindset into that shot, into that action that I'm making right now. And it's so amazing when you can talk yourself through a shot, all of a sudden the the pressure doesn't bother you. You yeah. can shoot by yourself. You can shoot with your buddies. You can shoot on the biggest archery stage in the world, or you shoot 3D, whatever it is, you know, at that big buck or at that big bowl. And it's the same. It's I've been here before. I know yeah. how to get my mind to a hundred percent focus on the task at yep. hand. And yep. when you can do that and not be affected by this pressure, not be affected by these these other thoughts that want to pop into your head and distract you from what you're trying to do, well, that's when you start sending perfect arrows downrange and big bulls and big bucks start to die. It, mm -hmm. It's amazing. And, and like you say, you can apply it to everything else in life. But yeah, it's, um, uh, it's really fun to hear you talk about it because you have dedicated yourself to learning the mind and what's going on. Because before it was like, you know, I can break a good shot, but just not understanding the process. You just don't have a grasp of the of the entirety of the situation or of the entirety of what your mind's trying to do to you, how it's trying to to sabotage this shot, you know. Yeah. But once you can understand it and then control it, like you can control the control the chaos, control the pressure. Like all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Like uh, when you go through Joel Turner's course, Joel Turner stands in front of you with your trigger and watches you shoot these shots with maybe 30 or 40 or 50 people standing behind you it's amazing how many people go backwards there where they have been shooting controlled shots for two three days and all of a sudden you get joel turner standing in front of you and all of a sudden the pressure intensifies and it ramps up and all of a sudden they punch that trigger and then they have to start over and go okay i did it wrong why did i do it wrong you know well it was the pressure of joel turner watching me do everything why did that have any impact on on your shot execution? It's because you weren't a hundred percent focused, and that's what'll happen when you're shooting at an animal or high pressure situations, you know. So, yeah, man, it's just amazing. It's just you know when I'm standing there, people people fall apart because all I do is increase the volume of thoughts, right? And they miss the cue to increase the volume of their thinking, right? They don't get loud enough in their own head. They don't use me, right? They, you know, when I'm standing there watching you, use me. And that's, you know, at the start, people fail right off the bat. And I, you know, because I, I increase the volume of thoughts with all those people watching and I'm really un uncomfortably close to you. I may be tapping you in the head with an arrow, whatever. But by the end of the clinic, you use it, right? You get to, you're like, yeah, F you Turner, right? The old F you Turner factor <laughs> gets high enough. They're like, they're like, watch this. So now they've switched. They've, they've hit their turning point because they know what I'm watching. Now I'm watching your trigger pressure increase. That's all I'm watching. I'm not watching where the arrows hit. You'll, you'll notice I don't watch where the arrows hit because why wouldn't they go in the middle? Right. When you shoot this controlled shot, why wouldn't they go where the pin is? You know, you've you've controlled everything that you can. And it's a very powerful thing. But 
I'm just giving people reps in getting loud in their own head because that is the ultimate skill in this mental game. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's it. Well, um, Joel, man, uh, how was your season? Uh, you were uh, hunting was, a bunch and I saw Bodie was, was hunting a bunch. Yeah, it was amazing. Like now that I just do shot IQ full time, like I don't do things between September and December. So I got to do some amazing hunts. Uh, I got to hunt with Bodie some. Bodie was chasing muleys out here in Montana. <laughs> and he, he has such a hard time. I mean, not with the shooting, but just getting those critters to stand still because it's like right at the last, Bodie's really good at stalking. He's very patient and he gets in range of these critters, but somehow, some way he puts off some type of killer aura or something <laughs> right at the last moment. They always look at him and man, he had a hell of a problem with, with critters jumping strings this year. And, uh, so, uh, Bodie was hunting muleys. I was hunting elk early on public ground. And we were doing okay, but we're running to lots of people and uh, probably not getting back in there far enough, I imagine. But I, I rely, as you know, I rely heavily on my calling techniques and, and I start calling in too many people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had some hunts going on and uh, then we went, uh, that was early on Idaho and Montana. Then my, uh, my hunting partner drew an amazing tag in Washington and it's right next to our house and it's a it's a private tree farm that there's uh, I think three tags drawn for it and it was amazing. He killed the 29th bull that I called in for him, mm. and it was you know they're big Cascade Roosevelts. They're just they're giants and he killed a dandy bull, and then uh, came back to Montana hunted a few days and then got to go to Colorado and hunt a ranch that you know it's so far above my pay grade that I never thought that anything like that would happen. But I was, uh, people were gracious enough to, uh, to allow me to hunt this ranch and, and I capitalized on it. <laughs> so I, I shot a 366 bull, uh, biggest bull that I've ever, ever shot. And boy, I'll tell you what, when they're that big and they're that close, the thoughts get loud, <laughs> and, uh, but my thinking was louder yeah. And uh, I was able to harvest that bull, made a good shot on him. And uh, so then it was off to, to deer season. I got to hunt in Alberta for some of those giant Edmonton Bozone monsters. And I killed a 160 buck up there that was so heavy. And, and um, one of the things that I'm finding out on these, on these private places is traditional bow hunters have a very bad name. And it, it may be because of their, you know, lack of shooting prowess or, or whatever. But, you know, when you get on these places, people did not want me to shoot my longbow. I'm like, no, wait a minute. I'm not your normal <laughs> trad guy. I mean, watch me shoot. And, and I just, you know, dump an arrow after arrow in the center. And they're like, yeah, maybe you should shoot your real bow. I'm like, well, I've harvested a lot of critters with these, but they're like, eh, maybe you should shoot your real bow. So I shot uh, all my critters this year with a compound with a release and no sights because I love watching my arrow fly. And so I shot that bull. I shot my first thing I shot was my pronghorn antelope in Montana. And, uh, then I shot that big bull in Colorado. And then I shot a, that big 160 buck at 37 yards in, in Alberta out of a tree stand. It was so cool watching that arrow fly right to the, right to the spot. It was awesome. 
And then, uh, and then I killed a, a doe, a white-tailed doe in Montana. So it's been just a phenomenal season. And Bodie, all the troubles that he had early on, boy, he, he put it on him in late, later season. So he killed a big black tail. Um, he found the mule deer that he wanted in Montana, ended up shooting that with a rifle because it was in a spot that he finally found this buck. He found the buck back in August. And then during bow season, he couldn't find it again. And then he finds it again. The first day he goes out with his, with it. he had his bow and his rifle with him, but uh, it was in a spot with a pile of does and he wasn't able to get on it. So he decided to shoot that with a rifle. And uh, then he killed a doe with his, uh, with his bow, a white-tailed doe, and then killed an elk in, in Washington in late season. So mm -hmm. Yeah, we just had Burger Day, which is a big day where me and my hunt partner, we get together with our families and we have Burger Day where we grind all of our critters. So we did, uh, I think, uh, 1,154 pounds of burgers. So that was <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love it, Joel. You, yeah. you guys got out on some good adventures. Yeah, yeah like um, awesome. Bodie, uh, uh, so intelligent, such a great shooter himself too. So I always yeah. take his advice or if I have anything I'm working with shooting, I take his advice and then Bodie will contact me when he's chasing those muleys looking oh, yeah. for answers about those yeah. things. And I try to just really think about his situation and try to give him the tidbit of information that's yeah. going to help him the most, you know, or describe what I think uh, those muleys will do. But those muleys are tough, man. And, and those you know, they will jump strings too. I've always oh, yeah. said it. I've said one in three or one in four will jump your strings. And, um, you know, white tails are one in three and then axis deer are about one in oh. two that'll yeah, jump your right. string, you know? And, uh, yeah, boy, so hard. they, they will hear that bow go off and react to the shot. And yeah. I've had them on high alert, jump a string. I've also had them where they have no idea I'm there and jump the string, like in their beds or just feeding right. and they hear that noise and jump their string. So definitely, something to be cognizant of but um and you guys had a bunch of great adventures like oh, yeah. that's all you can hope for for a season you know great year and now we start into tournament season so Bodie's ramping up for that and I'm ramping up for that as well and so yeah it's gonna be gonna be lots of fun yeah he's been shooting man I've seen some of his um oh, yeah. tournaments man he's got that bow dialed oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's wild yeah. so Bodie's success comes from better mind control it's Absolutely. not it's not the youth it's not the young yeah. eyes it's not any of that the reason why Bodie is so good the best in the world mm -hmm. is because of his mind control his because of his his he learned it and blueprinted it from so early on that it's all he knows and the pressure doesn't get to him. Uh, but his execution is just flawless. But that's just wild to me that you can be the best in the world just by the way you think, just by your right. mind control, you know, yeah. and that's something that we can all learn from. Yeah. I mean, Bodie feels the same thing that other people, his, his thoughts get loud as well. I mean, he's been in the, the highest pressure shootoffs in the world. I mean, Vegas, Lancaster, the world series he's been he's he's won it all he's won reading he's won it all and it's like you said it's because he knows how to think because his pin still moves he still gets shaky but he knows how to think beyond that he knows how to override that and here's a tidbit for parents that are out there with young shooters because i see parents Number one, the parents don't have control of their shot. So how in the world can they expect their kid to have control of their shot, right? You know, luckily for Bodie and for me, I was figuring this out as Bodie was coming up. Now, Bodie started shooting a bow at 10 and a half months old. 
he couldn't even stand up yet. He was a baby. He couldn't even stand up. But at two and a half, he's shooting moving targets. And that's one of the things for parents. Make sure that when you start your kids on an archery system, make sure that you're shooting reactive targets. They're popping balloons. They build a big block of Legos, and then they shoot that with an arrow so it breaks apart. It is reactive targets that hook children into shooting. But then once you get serious about it and you want them to actually go somewhere in the archery world, don't just give them a release and expect a young person to have enough determination to override their own central nervous system. They don't have enough life experience to do that. So luckily in the archery world, there are mechanisms that we can use to get very young people to control a shot. And one of those is a resistance activated release. Like Bodie was shooting a tension activated release or a resistance activated release at three years old because when I bought him his first compound and I bought him his first little index finger trigger, he punched the crap out of that thing. That's natural for the human mind. So I instantly put him into tension activated release, which has a safety on it. So he, I taught him how to push the safety in, hold it down while he draws the bow back and aims, and he doesn't let the safety off until his aim is done. Well, then you can set those releases to like three or four pounds over the holding weight of the bow. So they push the safety in, they draw the bow back, they aim, and then they let the safety off, and then the release forces them to actually pull. And you just get them to pull slowly, and then the shot breaks. And so they get to experience a surprise break shot. So their little minds get more and more and more used to this surprise. And then once they're mature enough, then you can switch them to some other more accurate style of release. A resistance activated release is not known to be that accurate because it's a big input into the shot. But you at least get them to understand what it is to shoot a surprise break. And that's what we did with Bodhi. So we went tension activated release. Then we went to a, a, a ring finger trigger, a pinky activated release. And then, you know, and then now he shoots whatever he wants to shoot. So it's uh, that is the, the road to success when most people are starting off in the ditch and they just stay in the ditch because they're punching the trigger and they're expecting their kids to have enough determination to not do that. No, it's not, it it's not how we work. Yeah. Not how we work. So, no, I've coached that those 4 H kids. Um, you know, when my girls were young, I taught them the mm -hmm. same way, and it was amazing how well they could shoot. Just they didn't know any different, they just knew the you know their pins hat in the middle and the scores they would shoot, and they do mm -hmm. really good at tournaments. But I'd get some of those 4 H kids that have been punching their trigger from the start, and oh, trying to break them of that habit or trying to convince them that there's a different way to shoot was right. so difficult. And some of them, I mean, it just you'd work with them and work with them and unless they decided that it was something they wanted to do they couldn't break right. the habit you know right. but yeah um so key to like start them off right uh mm -hmm. so they don't build those bad habits to where me and you had to build all those bad habits right. and then break them which is a lot more difficult yeah i mean bodie's turning point was at three years old can you imagine that <laughs> that's why bodie does what he does today that's, that's why exactly he's such right. a, a killer in in the woods that's why he you know, is so, so amazing in the tournament world. Now, yep. Bodhi now is gaining technical knowledge. So 
like Bodie works on his own bows now. I used to build them all and do everything for him, and now it's all him. Now he does everything, and and he is so astute at understanding a bow, a particular bow. Like we have, he's not signed with any bow company. He has, I mean, we have a garage full of bows because everybody wants Bodie to shoot their bows, obviously. But he can pick up a bow and shoot a 30X Vegas game with it and go, this is good, but I wouldn't win Vegas with this bow, right? Because he understands what happens to his body and he understands the forgiveness of a particular amount of deflex in a riser and what that does to pin speed under stress. So he is very good at understanding if a bow is even capable of, of reaching its potential with his body changes that happen on the line. So that's where a lot of archers you know, they're paid by a bow company to shoot a bow. Well, now they're stuck with that particular bow. Bodie doesn't, doesn't play that game. He shoots, you, you know, that if Bodie Turner is shooting a bow, it's because he truly believes it's the best one out there. You know, it's the best one for his style of shooting. And, and that's different for every person. So um, that's just the model, the, the business model, if you, if you will, for Bodie Turner that we've followed and I believe it's got him some good credibility in the industry because people need to be able to believe that. It's not, you're not shooting it because he's paid to shoot it. He's shooting it because he truly believes that it is the best one at that time. So, 100%. Well, and the, the reason he's so successful is because of his mind. But I love to hear the evolution uh, of Bodhi, like really working to understand more of the technical side. And like you say, to shoot a 30X and go, no, this isn't the bow for me. And he's right. he's pushing the limits. He's evolving, you know, he's um, uh, he's he's making his own way through the world. He's growing up, you know, but yeah, that's amazing to see, man. Um, yeah, yeah, he's an incredible kid, an incredible shooter. And so, yeah, yeah I can't that. wait to see how he does for the um, tournament season. I'm excited yeah. to follow along. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too, because like Atlanta, Lancaster, he's shot a 660 qualification score the last two years in a row. No other human being has ever done that, uh, has ever shot two. And now they put $50,000 on it. So if you shoot a 660 in your qualification round, now it's 50 grand. Bodie's like, nobody's ever going to shoot a 660. (laughs) It's so hard to do when it's worth nothing. Now it's worth 50 grand, which all that does is elevate the volume of thoughts, right? doesn't change the task. Mm-hmm. It just elevates the volume of those thoughts. So it's wild. Well, uh, Joel, thanks so much for your time, man. Yeah. Um, uh, man, I really appreciate your friendship and I appreciate everything that you teach there. So go check out his website, follow his social media. He does a great job. So thanks, Joel. I appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. Take care, bud. Okay. All right, guys, that's a wrap. A uh, powerful conversation and podcast today with Joel Turner. So uh, take this to heart. Check out his shot IQ and also his um, social media. Like, uh, uh, man, to be able to have a controlled shooting process has been a game changer for me in high pressure moments. And and like I said, I made this change years ago and believed in it wholeheartedly. And a lot of my successes come from it. Uh, Joel Turner is one of the best in the business at being able to explain the importance of it and also to be able to explain like what's going on inside our our own heads or why it's so difficult. So, uh, man, if you want to see more success, uh, I recommend you check out his program and uh, check out his teachings and thanks to him for taking the time and being on the podcast. 
I also want to thank our sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Savage, Silencer Central, Swagger, and Black Ovis. Again, that Black Ovis promo code is extra 10. You can save 10% off. Thanks to Eastman's for all their support of the podcast. Uh, Make sure to check out uh, everything we have going on from the Mule Deer course to Tag Hub, the magazines, um, Eastman's Beyond the Grid on YouTube, and... um, yeah, everything that we're doing. I'm I'm getting ready, uh, going to do that Western Hunting Expo. In fact, I've got to put in for my tags here shortly. Uh, man, I've been applying all over. So uh, applied in Arizona, applied in Wyoming. And so I'll be anxiously waiting the results of those and just trying to come up with a really good full hunting season with a bunch of adventures this year. So, man, I'm pumped. Um, yeah, been putting on the miles. Got another run in last night. Um it's been good. It's uh, We had that stretch of cold weather, which was miserable running, and now I'm back on dry dirt again. Uh, yesterday it was 50 degrees, which was amazing. Uh, so yeah, just getting in my runs, uh, definitely getting in my upper body work. The That lift is shooting really good. Uh, so I've got that thing. I've been shooting a lot of indoor. Uh, it's time I, that I build a sight tape for it and start shooting a little bit more outdoor, especially with all this nice weather we're having. Um, and then just diving into the research of these different states, these different units, uh, diving into this application of trying to plan my season. And, um, man, I can't wait. This year's going to be an absolute ride. I haven't um, decided what I'm going to do for this spring, but I know that I've got spring spot and stock black bears, which I'd like to put a bunch of effort in and um, be able to arrow a nice bear. So uh, that'll definitely be my focus come spring. And then trying to put together maybe one more trip. And then I did talk to my buddies from Hawaii the other day. So I talked to um, Sean Kern. He was asking about apps and things, um, different states here. And then also uh, talking about maybe putting together a Hawaii trip for access or maybe Mouflon, something like that. So, um, man, super exciting. So, um, yeah, just getting back to it here, getting some construction work done, working on my training and uh, working on my um, my shooting and then applications. But um, that's life for me, man. It's uh, so enjoyable right now. So putting in the work so I can see the success for next season. I know you guys are doing the same because you're listening to this podcast right now in the heart of our off season. So kudos to you guys is like, there is no off season. It is like bow hunting 365. If you want to be consistently successful. So way to put in the work, you guys, uh, hard work does pay off. And, uh, with that, Check in with you guys next week.